in case for any of you that don't know who I am, I'm Chris Athey. Uh, me and my wife, Felicia, oversee the missions and outreach ministry here at, at Journey Church, and I also have the privilege of serving as an elder. Uh, and so uh, I'm privileged for the opportunity to come and, and speak with you today. Now, we're going to continue in the sermon series, God With Us. And uh, when Pastor Sean first introduced this subject, I'm not going to lie to you, I had a little tough time embracing it simply because I am one of those people that I like to do one season at a time. And he introduced this subject, God with us, which we tend to, you know, uh, associate with, you know, the original Christmas story. And he started this sermon series before Thanksgiving, one season at a time. So it took me a couple weeks, but I'm here now, okay? Uh, and I had to go back to the video to watch that first sermon because I'm not sure how much of it actually sunk in because I was there to be thankful. I wasn't ready for the Christmas story. But so again, we're continuing on with the sermon series of God with us. And so when I went back to reflect on, okay, God, lead me, direct me, uh, help provide some, uh, download something in me to speak to the people in, in addition with this God with us. And I tend to be the one that I don't want to take things just simply at face value, but I want to try and either look behind the curtain or I want to see what's more than just at face value. And so when I looked at this phrase, God with us, God obviously jumps out at you and us obviously jumps out at you, but the with was just kind of there and kind of in the way in a transition. So I want to take just a second to kind of focus on the with as I introduce this subject, once again, God with us. And so when you look at the word with, it's a preposition, and the definition is, is used to say that people or things are in a place together or are doing something together. And as simple as that definition might be, the thing that jumped out to me was together. And that speaks a very loud message of God with us is telling us that we are not alone. You may be sitting here today and you say, you know what, Chris, do you know what it took to get here just today? And there may be a lot of things that are being thrown at you right now. Can I tell you, you are not alone. You may be carrying so much weight that you question, I don't even know how I got to this point. I don't know how tomorrow is going to look. And I don't know how much longer I can carry this weight. Can I tell you that you are not alone? And the dilemma that you're dealing with right now, you've tried every option. You've tried every way. You don't know what else to do. And you feel like hope is gone. I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. And so as we talk about this subject again, God with us, I want to highlight the scriptures that really reinforce this message of God with us. And I'm going to rapid fire a number of verses at you. Don't get overwhelmed. We're going to get through it and we're all going to be okay. But the first one that we're going to start with is John or Genesis 1.1. And when I say that, I already know what you're thinking. If this guy's about to read the whole Bible to us, I'm out. <laughs> and that's not where we're going. But this is where we want to start Genesis 1.1 where it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But I really want to focus on the first words there is, in the beginning, God. Isaiah 7, 
Verse 14 reads, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So Genesis 1-1 tells us that God was there from the very beginning, and now we see the prophet prophesying that one is to come that will be called Emmanuel, which again, as we know, means God with us. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 and 23 reads, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So again, now the prophecy is being fulfilled that God is here with us. Matthew 28, 20 teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So this is Jesus speaking to the disciples before he descends, saying, hey, listen, I know I have come, God with us, but now I'm going to be ascended. But just trust me when I say that I'm still going to be with you always. We see in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So again, Jesus speaking, saying, hey, I'm going, but I'm going to continue to be with you. And I've got a promise that's coming. Go tarry in Jerusalem and wait for that promise that will show that I will be with you always. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, John truly baptized with the water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Again, so now God continues to walk with us through his Holy Spirit. So again, I rapid fired through those scripture, but the message that I am really bringing into focus with all of those scriptures is God was before us, God is with us, God is on us, God is in us, and God works through us. And if anything, that speaks to me is that God didn't want one second, not one minute, not one hour, not one day, not one week, not one year, God didn't want one moment to pass that you didn't realize and see that he was with us. And if nothing else, what that speaks to me, and it speaks volume, is that God is committed to us. So when we speak of this message of God with us, God demonstrates he is with us through commitment. God demonstrates that he is with us through commitment. And so, as I just laid out all the scriptures to kind of support that message and communication, perhaps we might stop short and say, okay, Chris, I appreciate that message, and I'll receive it, and I'll embrace it, but I want something a little more personalized. I want to know that God doesn't just see us, that God is with me. And so here's some scriptures that highlight that. We're going to go, again, rapid fire in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, where it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Again, before we were formed, God knew us. We see in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, where it reads, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased. The Apostle Paul, talking about how before again... He was called in his mother's womb. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 30. But the very heads, hairs on your head are all numbered. Jesus speaking to the disciples, letting them to know how intent and intentional and intimate he is in knowing every detail 
of them. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Again, personalized for each and every one of us that he has a plan and a purpose and a future. And then the last one, Matthew chapter 18, verse 12 through 14, where it says, What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing any of these little ones should perish. So that's communicating the message is no matter how far you wander off and no matter what life's path takes you, he will leave the 99 and come after you because he loves you. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me that I serve a God that is so committed that he's got plans for me, that he knows every hair on my head, that he knows that I've been called, that I've been set apart, that he loves me in spite of the choices that I make. God is committed to us and God is faithful in that way. But as much as we, again, go through the scripture and communicate that God is with us, and then we know that it's not just that he's with us, but he's with us on a personal level to have plans, to love us, to know every hair in our head, can I tell you, there are still times that we question if God is still there. And this was never more evident in thinking about this, reflecting back on, on days when I was a, a youth pastor back in Alabama. And the funny thing was, is I thought about this story in preparing this message, and I started to do the math thinking, well, this was now over 20 years ago. This was, I was a young pup in my early 20s. I'm not going to say that I'm old because I said that last night and some person that was elder me said, hey, you're not old yet. So. so I began to think about that occurrence. Now, when I worked in youth ministry, we really had four areas of focus. We had spiritual, we had social, we had outreach, and we had fundraising. And I know that's like, man, fundraising was like a quarter of your ministry. It was because we weren't a church where we had a lot of resources. And so if we wanted to do the spiritual things like conferences and go out to, to different uh, rallies, or if we wanted to do something social or outreach, we had to raise the funds to make it happen. And so I was always on the lookout for ways to raise money for the, for the youth department. And I remember getting connected with a guy at church and he would, I found out that he participated in adult softball leagues. I'm not going to ask who all participates and knows what I'm talking about because I had one person that raised their hand last night, so I had to tell the rest of this story to that one person. <laughs> but there was an adult softball league, and so he would play in a league during the week and he would even have tournaments on the weekend. So I got to talking about it. The tournaments, and he'd say, you know, well, yeah, you pay entry fee to get in there. And, uh, you know, it's normally $100, $150 a pop to enter your team. And then, of course, you know, so, so I found out about that a little bit more. And I asked him, I said, well, do you think we could put on one of those tournaments? And he's like, probably. I said, well, let's, let's see what we can do. So we, we found a facility that would allow us to host the tournament again because we were a nonprofit in the church. They did it for free. Uh, and they were like, you know, you just use the facilities. This is kind of us giving back to the community. So it was kind of three fields back to back to back with a um, concession area and, and all that stuff. And so we, uh, I mean, we had a, 
a skeleton crew. I didn't hire any umpires or any of that. I was an umpire for one field, and two of my other guys were umpires for the other. And I let them know from the very beginning of the tournament, hey, this is a fundraiser for our youth department. If, if you want to contest or call or look for the replay, you're in the wrong place, okay? <laughs> We're going to do our best, but I promise you the calls will be bad equally across the board. <laughs> so, so we went through and we had the tournament. Everything went great. We got to the championship game. If you aren't familiar with adult league softball, this is the World Series to them. I'm just letting you know right now. And we had creative ways to raise money. Obviously, again, entry fee to the tournament. Uh, you had concessions going all day. Not to mention, we had this deal going to where you could have so many home runs per game. But if you wanted to go over that limit, you had to pay. So, hey, you got two home runs. Oh, you want a third? It's going to be a dollar. And every home run you wanted to count, it went up a dollar. Well, this is your fourth home run you wanted to count, so $4. Any way we could figure out to raise money, we did. So, again, we're in the last game. It's probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And so we go, and I'm sitting there. Fortunately, the other guy said, hey, we got the umpiring of this game. Hey, it was a championship game. We got two umpires now, okay? It's a big deal. And so I'm sitting there in the stands. Mind you, championship game. This is the real deal. Things are starting to get a little chippy on the field. <laughs> and I, I remember somewhere in the middle of the game, there was a guy that was running to second base and took out the guy, slid through him, knocked him down, slid hard, and he got there. And what do you think happened? They jumped up and they're in each other's face. And my first response was, uh-oh. And then I look over at this dugout as people are starting to crowd around. the, And three guys walk out of the dugout with bats on their shoulders. And I go, oh, no. I jump off the back of the bleachers. I run over to the concession stand because I still had three or four youth there. They were cleaning up trying to get ready to go. I shoved them in the concession stand. I said, lock the door and don't come out till you hear my voice on this side. As I'm turned around, I hear a scream. Ah! I look back. The shortstop is laying face down. The third base coach had circled around and sucker punched him. And so I, I don't even know what to say at that point. I'm in panic mode and I'm in... Uh, Damage control. I look up and I see a number of people running for the exits. Now, granted, I don't know if they're running to get out of there or they're running to their glove box. So what do you think, Alabama? You better believe it. And uh, so what do you think I did? I called 911. Hey, we got a situation down here on the field. You need to come on down. So the cops came, restored order. And I'm sitting there, and what the cops did to help figure out and get things resolved and move on is they had them line up and come off the field one at a time, and I got to stand beside the cop and point out who were the instigators. Of course, I was really tough standing by the guy with the gun, you know. 
And so they walked out and I would point out this guy, this guy. I'll never forget when that guy that circled around and sucker punched, when that guy came up and I pointed him out, he goes, what? I was like, whatever, dude, you're over here. You know, it's kind of like he was in that bad group. So needless to say, they restored order. We finished the tournament. The tournament was complete. And the collateral damage was three people got taken to jail because they had outstanding warrants. Okay, it happens, you know. <laughs> and as comical, <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. And as funny as that is, you know, again, one person did ask me, did you ever get your youth out of the concession stand? Yes, I did. I got them out of the concession stand. I sent them home. And so, and, and I don't even know how you respond to that, you know, because I was wanting to end on a high note. And what do I do as people are leaving? Jesus loves you. Thanks for participating. I mean, and so I got home and I remember I was exhausted I was so tired, and again, we had done it, but it hadn't ended quite like I wanted it to. And I remember getting some quiet time before going to bed that night, and the thought popped in my head, God, where were you at? God, I'm out there busting my tail, trying to raise funds so that young people grow in you, where were you at? So as much as we read those scriptures about how God was with us, I had one thing go wrong and I began to question, God, where are you? And don't we do just that on a regular basis? Because I got a feeling that there's people right now that are going through situations that are so big and you're asking God, where are you at? Can I tell you that God's commitment is bigger than our conflict or crisis? You know, I was able to get into a deep time with God after having that question and God began to show me, hey, I'm still with you. I haven't forgot about you. Yeah, things didn't go according to plan, but I never said you wouldn't go through stuff. I just said you'd never go through it alone. And so I began to lean into that, and God began to restore that. Can I tell you with where you're at and what you're going through, you're seeing the situation simply at face value, and you're looking at simply the chaos, but God wants to bring peace in your chaos. You're seeing nothing but the storm, and everywhere you turn, there's rain, there's floods or whatever. God wants to provide shelter from that storm. You're looking at your desperate situation, and you feel like there's no hope, or you've been fighting and fighting and fighting, and you're so weak. God wants to be that strength in your situation, but you've got to lean into him and let him be that for you. I know the, the world looks rough, I know the path looks difficult and tough, but I'm here to tell you today, in spite of your situation, God is still with us. And it was extremely important, needless to say, 
that I got in the right mind that night and God was able to show me that he was still with me because when I got to church the next day, what do you think the first question the pastor asked me was? How'd your tournament go? I looked at him and I said, well, we made the paper. Authorities calls a local softball tournament. I'm not joking. That really happened. We were in the paper. But what's great is, as difficult as that situation was, I saw the fruit of the labor and God's commitment because I still talk to those young people today. And I still hear the stories about how they're loving God, how they're living for God. So that labor was not in vain. God showed himself faithful. Why? Because God is with us and he is committed to us. So when I think about that, specific principle of God being committed to us, I've looked far and wide and I have failed to find a healthy one-sided relationship. It's just not there. And so as much as I've spoken to God being committed to us and God being with us, that there too needs to be a commitment on our part to God. And I share all that, if nothing else, to perhaps promote a call to action on our part to say, you know what, now that you lay that out, God has been committed to us. And I communicate that simply because I don't know where you're at with God. Perhaps you are committed to God. Perhaps you just need to be reminded or you need to review your commitment to God, or perhaps you've never made a, commit to, a commitment to God before. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, where we stand today, that there is something that's gonna be required of us to take that next step in a commitment to God. But when I say required of us, it's because there's a level of commitment required, and when I say level, we in society, I'm not oblivious to the society we're in today, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox, uh, but I will say that we are willing to make a commitment, but it's normally a controlled commitment. And that is, I will commit to this as long as it stays within my comfort zone. Last time I checked, the cross wasn't comfortable, but he made that commitment. He was willing to take on our sin and willing to take on our shame and go through that pain and suffering for you and for me. And that's highlighted in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 where it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, but whose stripes we are healed. So when we speak of commitment, we need to understand commitment equals cost, not comfort that there might be a sacrifice that we might have to make as part of this commitment. That there might be something that we have to let go and release as we lean into a commitment and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I believe that where we stand today, that God is calling each and every one of us to a commitment with him. And to help bring some focus on exactly what that means from a commitment standpoint, I came up with three areas to focus on 
to help us identify what that is, and I call that the ships of commitment. The ships of commitment. And that first ship is relationship. It is critical in our commitment to God that we have a quality and strong relationship with him. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 38 reads, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We've got to make a relationship with God our number one priority. And that's time in prayer with him. That's time in his word. That's time in worship with him. I know this might sound crazy, but in my prayer time, there's no music and I still raise my hands. What? Yeah. Because I want him to know how much I love him. I want him to understand when I raise my hands, that is a sign of surrender to him. And so when I enter into presence of God and dwell there, that relationship is what I'm working on to build and to grow in. The second ship of commitment is fellowship. Fellowship is necessary for us to grow in God in our commitment to God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye as you see the day approaching. Listen, the pandemic changed the landscape of so many things, including church. And I know it has enhanced a lot of people's ministry when it comes to remote church or what some people call this house church. And I have participated in house church, especially when I am sick or when I am away. But it is not to replace the assembling of us together as a church body. And again, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox. I'm trying to provide principles that will help us grow in our commitment with Jesus Christ. And again, it's not about building up a church. It's about fellowship with others. It's about us edifying and getting into uh, relationship and, and conversations and just growing together as a church body, small groups, all the different dynamics that are created to help in other believers of fellowship, that is a necessary component of a commitment with God. And then the third is stewardship. Stewardship is pivotal as we grow in God, because again, it's something that costs us something. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, where it says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We all have time, energy, and resources that we can give and commit back to God. Our finances, all those things that we have are simply things that God has allowed us to manage. But at the end of the day, they're still God's. And so when we look at that and we make that commitment, again, there is a cost involved. I don't know about you, but my time is extremely valuable to me. Granted, we're in a unique situation of leading the outreach and missions ministry. There are a lot of opportunities for us to get in there and get our hands dirty and roll up our sleeves and serve God. 
And we've got an incredible church that does just that and participates in that. And we thank you for that. But I'll tell you that, again, I don't know where you're at when it comes to your commitment to God. I don't know where you are on that spectrum. But these are three key focuses to help us get into that level of commitment that God is calling us to. And so the one question I think that we need to ask ourselves, look in the mirror, look internally, and ask the question, has our ship sailed? When you look internally at your life and how you can line up the level of commitments that you have to God when it comes to relationship, when it comes to fellowship, when it comes to stewardship, the question is, has your ship failed? Has your ship sailed? Do you look out and those three things are very close and a very key and critical components of your life? Or are they there just far away? Now, let me stop short and kind of emphasize something right here, and that is when we ask that question, is my ship sailed? Truth is, it's kind of a gray area when it comes to that question. And I say that there's some gray areas to answering that question because you might have areas of your life that reflect relationship, that reflect fellowship, that reflect stewardship. Chris, how do I know if I'm truly committed to those things? Well, I think the first thing is, one, are those three ships, are they a priority or are they just a part of your life? See, when they're a priority, what? They're near the top of the list. They're normally things that you put in place first, and then all the other things fall into place after that. But I'm not oblivious to know, and I'm not exempt from this either, that a lot of times we fit God into the blanks as opposed to putting him first. And so the question to answer or the thing that you would use to address and answer that question first is, one, are these things a priority or are they just part of my life? If they're not a priority, it may be something that you need to revisit when it comes to commitment. The second thing is when I don't commit to these things is their conviction. And I think, and this is not a, a verse, so you're not going to miss this back there that I gave to you. But I want to read just real quickly the story of Peter because I think this is a very clear depiction of what it looks like when that commitment isn't honored and there's conviction. We read in Luke chapter 22, verse 56 through 62. And again, I'll just read this out loud. It says, Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looking closely at him, said, this man is also with him. And again, this is when Jesus has been taken away and Peter lingered behind to kind of see what they were doing with Jesus. Jesus has told him that what? He would deny him three times and he said, no way. And then the servant girl, seeing him sat in the light, looking close to him, this is man also with him, says, but he denied it saying, woman, I do not know him. And a, and a little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And then after an interval bout, 
An hour still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. It says, And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter in Luke 22, 33, 34 says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, no, you'll deny me three times before this day's up. If he's willing to go to prison and death for him, I don't know about you, but that speaks commitment. But when his commitment wasn't honored, what? He wept bitterly. He was convicted in his heart. That's how we can know whether or not we are committed to a relationship, when we're committed to fellowship, when we're committed to stewardship, is when that conviction in us wells up so much when those things aren't part of our lives. And so the question is, ask yourself, has my ship sailed? But here's the thing. I'm in no way communicating this message by any stretch with a condemnation mindset. I'm simply here to create awareness because the facts are, and the truth is, we see in Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20 that his ship is never sailed from us. For it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That God is there sitting and ready and waiting with anticipation for us to make that commitment and that relationship and that fellowship and that stewardship with him. And he's willing to invite us in and to come and dine with us. And again, it doesn't matter where you're at and it doesn't matter what you've done. It don't matter what path you've chosen, what mistakes that you've made because we serve a God that's faithful regardless. It doesn't have to be a regular church attendee. It doesn't have to be someone that is just simply, you know, going to to Bible study and doing this and doing that. God loves each and every one of us equally because it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. So he is committed to us regardless of where we're at right now. And I'm here to extend an invitation to someone today to say, hey, God is with us through his commitment. God is wanting us in return something of our commitment when it comes to relationship, fellowship, and stewardship, and he's there willing and ready to receive you into his kingdom today. And so I began the message today talking about how this is the original Christmas story. And as much as God with us speaks to that Christmas story, I think the facts are this is kind of a story within a story because this is also a commitment story. And the commitment story speaks of a cast members of two, you and God. And there's all these ups and downs that we go through life. And as that story is continuing to be written right now, we look at all the different things that can happen through that. I mean, we, we, we've got intrigue. Uh, we've, we've got, you know, good versus evil. But what's crazy is... I truly believe that the climax of the story hasn't happened yet. And I think one of the areas of climax that can happen is when his commitment and our commitment connect, combined with his capacity, the outcome 
the magnitude of what can happen will blow our minds. But we've got to be willing to step out in faith. I'm going to have the band go ahead and start making their way back up. When our commitment combines with God's commitment and capacity, we start to see the supernatural take place. We start to see the Holy Spirit be poured out in a way that we never thought possible. We start experiencing and seeing those different signs and those different wonders that the Bible speaks of. We see the gifts of the Spirit in action, and we see just all these different things come about. Why? Because we were willing to make that commitment, to be part of that commitment story, to walk in what God has called us to be and into his marvelous light. And what's funny is we have to be willing to walk and enter that place with a level and a degree of faith. Because the things that are going to happen and transpire, it's going to transcend logic. We do not have the capability and the cognitive ability to comprehend what God can do and is able to do and wants to do in our lives. But we have to be willing to lean into that, to lean into that relationship, to lean into that fellowship, to lean into that stewardship, and throughout the whole time knowing that God is with us, that God is committed to us, and that God has a plan for us. So as we stand all over this place today, and as we enter back into worship, I want to circle back to some of what we even sang about entering in today, and that is, I am free. We are free because we choose to walk in and enter, enter into a relationship with God. And so as we go into this last worship song, I wonder if we could just have the posture to say, God, I want to receive and I want everything that was shared. I want your spirit that I felt. I want the word that went forth. And I want the challenge that was issued, a call to action. God, has my ship sailed? And if not, God, show me the relationship, the fellowship, the stewardship. Show me what areas you want me to lean into. And I'm going to tell you, the way that's going to happen today is that you be intentional to say, God, I'm going to linger in your presence as long as it takes for you to talk to me. God, I'm going to dwell. I'm going to just stay there until I hear your voice. And it may not be something that you hear today, but if you make that commitment to be intentional, to say, God, Lord, I'm not going anywhere till I know the direction and the commitment and, and what you want me to do so that I can hear and feel you and see you. Find that secret place with God and let him speak to you today. Let's enter into worship one more time.